And you can be seated. Um, and uh, to combat your farness, I'm going to go down there. Right, so, because I feel lonely up here. Okay. And maybe if our teenagers can uh, have a revival and sit towards the front, that would be great. That wasn't a hint at all. That was actually a command. All right, thank you, teenagers. Appreciate that. Maybe if our teenagers can set an example, uh, that would be a blessing. All right, maybe some of our adults can get convicted, right? That would be good. Okay, some of the, some of the adults are like, oh, I'm a teenager, let's, let's go to the front. But uh, there we go, there we go. Awkward laughter. That's good. All right, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy, and uh, I want to pick up a series we've sort of left um, over the last couple of months for whatever reason, but the Lord's just been uh, working on my heart to just go back to, uh, to the series. One, just because um, I think it's just, uh, it's just so, uh, so needful for us to go through and just have a quick survey um, of each of the books of the Bible. But then secondly, also because it's just good character to finish what you start, all right? So um, just been, the Lord's just been speaking to me about that. And so we're going to go to the book of 2 Timothy. Last time we were here, I don't even know which month that was, we were obviously in the book of 1 Timothy, all right? So now we're going to look at the book of 2 Timothy, and we're going to read chapter 1, just the first eight verses, and then we'll get into the lesson tonight. But I appreciate you coming. Thanks for being faithful um, to come along on a, on a Wednesday night. And look at verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of, the, of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And so there we have Paul's greeting, uh, his second letter to uh, his son in the faith, Timothy. And, and really this is the middle book of the, um, the middle book as far as the pastoral epistles. And so a lot of this is written to um, uh, directly to pastors, obviously, uh, Timothy being being one, and so we're gonna just just look at look at the book of Second Timothy tonight, and really the apostle here is challenging Timothy. He, he's stirring him up to to be to the faithful and diligent discharge of his duty uh, as a minister of the gospel. To he's challenging him to abide constantly by the truths in it, and to inspire uh, to inspire to his uh, to to suffer patiently through the the troubles he's going through. And, and I like that admonition that he gives there that we read in verse 7, where he says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And he's really speaking to Timothy now, who's gone on and he's been pastoring a little bit longer 
than he was in First Timothy. And he's admonishing, Paul is admonishing Timothy, don't have fear. I know you're going through some trials. I know you're going through some troubles. But, you know, Timothy, don't have fear. God's not given you that. He's, given you a spirit of, he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So he's stirring him up during his time of, of trouble. And, and obviously here, Paul is going through some trouble as well. Um, so he's, he's, he's challenging him to, to suffer patiently, he's, uh, to suffer cheerfully and courageously uh, for the sake of the gospel. And then also to warn him against false teachers and their errors uh, who were already arisen, uh, who already risen in the, in the congregation and then would afterward arise and, and, and be followed by such who had itching ears that he says later on. And, and they could not bear the sound, of, uh, the bear sound doctrine. Uh, but this should not be a discouragement to him um, in, in the, persecution of, uh, the persecution he's going through as he works and labors for the Lord. And then lastly, to desire his presence with him at Rome, being now destitute of several of, of his assistants. So that's Paul's occasion of writing to, uh, to Timothy at this point. Um, this letter is, is a very personal letter, all right? Um, there are references to 25 individuals in the book. And, and the first letter to Timothy gave special reference to the duties and responsibilities of a pastor, while this letter is concerned with the pastor as the preacher. All right, so, uh, so I want to encourage any of you young men who have uh, said they're surrendered to the ministry, a great couple of books for you to read is uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and then Titus, which we'll look at, Lord willing, next week. Um, uh, uh, an author of yesteryear, uh, J. Vernon McGee, said this about 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, Paul speaks of the ultimate outcome of gospel preaching. The final fruition will not be the total conversion of mankind, nor will it usher in the millennium. On the contrary, there will come about an apostasy which will well-nigh blot out the faith from the earth. This is in complete harmony with the startling words of Christ when he said, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he fa find faith on the earth. Uh, is, is not in keeping, of course, with a social gospel which expects to transform the world by tinkering with the social system. These vain optimists have no patience with the doleful words of Second Timothy. And uh, if you know that uh, the, just the structure of uh, first, uh, Second Timothy, we know that chapter 3 is dealing with the last days. And, and that's, that's a, that doesn't bode well for us today as we're, even as we're laboring in the gospel, we know that the world will just get, will wax worse and worse. And, um, you know, I'd hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there is bad news in the Word of God. And he's telling us the, the world system and the world in the direction of it, it's just not going the right way. It's going to just wax worse and worse. And so he's warning us about and giving us characteristics of that. And so these, again, these vain optimists have no patience with the doleful words of 2 Timothy. Nevertheless, the cold and hard facts of history and the events of the present have demonstrated the accuracy of Paul. If we were to summarize the book in one sentence, it'd be this. Christians are to be unashamed of the gospel and to carry on faithfully with the message about Christ entrusted to them. And so whilst this may be the case, and whilst... The, these words were, were written to a, a pastor who was going through some fear. He, he was just, there, there should be a, a sense in us that we would just continue unashamed and continue to be bold for the gospel. All right, so some key facts about the book of 2 Timothy. It's the 55th book in your Bible. All right, it, the author is Paul, as we mentioned. There's four chapters. There's 83 verses, 1,703 words. The two key words in the book is suffer. 
which happens four times, and endure, which happens four times. And aren't you glad that, that whilst God doesn't uh, hold back his, uh, the truth of, of some suffering we must go through, he also encourages us to endure. And that's the need for the hour. Uh, you know, I think many times as we, as we consider the book of 2 Timothy, uh, we, we, we don't want um, to deal with the reality that as Christians, we will go through a world that it will be very much contrary and therefore will cause us to, to stand out and, and even at times suffer for the sake of Christ. But he's saying endure. And so specifically to Timothy, um, the, the trials of the ministry here, are, they're prominently displayed. And, and, and he's saying have some patience, endurance, and he's commending that. And so the, the key challenge of the, the, um, the book is, is to commitment. Okay, commitment to the work, commitment to the word. Uh, the key verse is 2 Timothy 2.15, where you say, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, um, and it's so important that, that we recognize that in our time, that the way we're going to combat the, the error and the, the apostasy and the falling away is to be students of the word of God that are like workmen. And so he exhorts Timothy there in the key verse uh, how he is to be. He is to be a workman. What his work is, and that's to study. Uh, for whom he is to study for, to be approved unto God. And we don't, we don't study to be approved of man. We don't study to, to be approved as in, you know, to be looked at as someone with some sort of wisdom. No, we are to be approved of God. And, and by the way, that is the great motivation of which we ought to study. Right, so by the way, if you're not studying the Word of God, then how do you know how, you, how you're, going to, you're going to be approved by God? And so if we're not in the habit of studying the Word of God, if we're just in the habit of casually reading it and not having a, a real uh, time of study and, and depth in our knowledge of the Word of God, then, then how are we approved of God that way? Because he's saying that's our, that for whom we study, it's to be approved unto God. To what extent? He says so that we're not to be ashamed. You know, I think the, the reality is many Christians are ashamed today because they don't actually know what the Bible says. Because they don't actually know whether those things that are happening in the world are, are things that God is against or God is for. And, and it, it comes down to our study of the Word of God. To what extent? And then with what care we are to rightly divide. All right? The method of study is to rightly divide the Word of God. And then what book? The Word, the word of Truth. And, and again, we, we, don't, we ought not to, um, to set uh, uh, preeminence towards the study of so, uh, society, although that's interesting to look at. We ought not to look at uh, other means of knowledge aside from the Word of God. And, and that ought to be our primary concern in our day. So those are some key facts that we, we know about the book of 2 Timothy. Um, there's some, some interesting facts. This is, this is the last letter from Paul. If you look at the, the order of chronology as far as his writings, this is his last letter. Um, he is almost certainly at the writing of this um, in the Mamertine prison. He, he was just a short stay away from being beheaded for the faith. And so this epistle really is, is Paul's swan song. And, and here really contains his epitaph where in, in chapter 4, I look at verses 6 to 8, he says, For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to, unto all them also that love his appearing. And so that, that's really his swan song. It's his, his triumphant um, acknowledgement of the life that he's lived for Christ. Um, but some things, there's, there's, uh, there's mention of, of Timothy again. Obviously, the book is named um, after him, the, the one who was receiving this letter. But um, if you know a little bit about Timothy, just let's rehash a little bit because it's been a while. Uh, Timothy was the son of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. All right, we know that from Acts chapter 16. He was reared carefully in a Christian home and had a godly heritage. We, we, we know that. It's commended of him. We read it there about his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice who had unfeigned faith. That means it was real faith. It was authentic. And, and because of that, it dwelt in him also. We know later on, it talks about in chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, that from a child, he, he was given the scriptures and he was able to become wise unto salvation. And so he was saying, don't forget that. And, um, and Paul really, even though he was um, in a home where there was one saved and one unsaved, he still was brought up in the things of the Word of God. Um, Paul, um, we know, met Timothy in Lystra. And right there, Timothy joined Paul's team. He traveled with Paul and became increasingly relied upon and close to Paul. And one, uh, really, one can really see the, the tremendous level of personal affection between the two. We read it there in, in chapter 1. He calls him his son in the faith. And in, in, the first, uh, in the first letter to Timothy, he's again his son in the faith. All right? Um, Timothy's name is found more often in the pages of Paul's letter than any other. All right? Timothy's name is found in 2 Corinthians, 2 Thessalonians, Philippians, 1 Timothy, Colossians, 2 Timothy, 1 Thessalonians, and Philemon. And so you, you understand the, the, um, just the kind of relationship that Paul had with Timothy. And so, you know, when we, we say those kind of things uh, in a, uh, in, within the context of church ministry, you know, every, everyone should be a Paul and should have a Timothy. You understand that's not a light thing to say, actually. This was an investment that was that 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 allowed um, that that was really Paul investing his whole life and manner in this young man Timothy, and so after being released from his Roman imprisonment, Paul is once again arrested. His second imprisonment was far different from the first. So in the first imprisonment, he was then a political prisoner awaiting trial, but here he is now a condemned criminal awaiting death. He's been charged. Um, in the first instance of his imprisonment, he lived in his own hired house. Now he huddles in a cold, damp, dark dungeon. Uh, during his first imprisonment, he was visited by many. And here now he's forsaken by all. And, um, and so there's a, there's a contrast between his first imprisonment and the second imprisonment and therefore the, the writing of this letter. So again, this is a, a man who's going through a great trial and trouble, trying to encourage a, a young, uh, still a young man, but uh, a little further down in his ministry, um, uh, this pastor Timothy, who was discouraged and who needed, uh, um, who, who needed just encouragement. And Paul was doing that from prison. Okay, and in this book, Paul lists by name more enemies of the gospel in this epistle. All right, there's Hymenaeus and Philetus in, in chapter 2. There's James and Jambres in chapter 3, and then there's Alexander the coppersmith in chapter 4. So more than any other book in the Bible, he lists by name 
some enemies of the gospel. Right? So that's interesting. So you think about the purpose and theme then of the book, and, and again, um, I encourage you to read through it, but um, the purpose here is, uh, is, though a faithful and trusted disciple of Paul, Timothy seemed to lack natural courage and strength. Um, before making several personal requests, Paul exhorts Timothy concerning his calling and his mission. So really, this was an exhortation or an encouragement from um, from a mentor, from, uh, from the Apostle Paul to his protege, his disciple, Timothy. Uh, the theme of the book is interesting, really, as again, it's in the, the middle book of the pastoral epistles. It's really how, how to pastor through, through troubles and, um, and how to pastor when you're, you're fearful or discouraged. And, and much of the book lends itself to instruction to those in ministry. Uh, but some of the things that... that uh, Paul says to Timothy, when you're going through that, is this, invest in men that will give you a long-range return. He's saying, don't focus on those that are being in opposition. Don't focus on those who are, are, are trying to disrupt and, and are enemies of the, of the work. Focus on those that are, are, are following faithfully. And, and uh, we're going to look on Sunday uh, a principle in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Remember that, and it's the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so he's, he's saying, you know, um, you're going to go through some troubles, you are. And how you're going to pass it through that is you focus in on those who are, are wanting to learn and grow. And he's saying focus on that, all right? Um, the outline of the book, and, and again, four chapters, we can easily outline it. Um, we, can, we can subtitle first, uh, Second Timothy as the final words to a fearful friend. And here we see in chapter 1, Paul the preacher. We see in chapter 2, Paul the pattern. We see in chapter 3, Paul the prophet. He foretells of the last days. And then we see lastly in chapter 4, uh, chapter four Paul the prisoner. And he talks about the, those things. He's about to finish his course. And so if you want to outline that way, you can do that. Um, we see the, the type of Christ, and really there's, there's a challenge here in chapter 2 about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So uh, a very prominent type that is given us in the book of 2 Timothy of Christ is Christ, the captain of our salvation. All right? Every soldier needs a commanding officer. And he's saying endure hardness as a good soldier, not, not just that, of Jesus Christ. You're in his battalion. You are in his army. And the reason we can endure is because Christ has endured. He set an example for us. So he's challenging him that way. He's saying, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And that really flies against the, the, the culture of today of ease and comfort. But he's challenging us. And, and I think rightly so as we consider where the world is heading, where, where um, we have opportunity for the gospel for sure. Right? Let's not forget that. Let's not hide in our shells, right? Let's, let's not be ashamed, right? Right, teenagers? All right. Well, a few of you are awake. But, um, you know, we, we, we need to be unashamed, but we need to understand that there will be, there will be hard days. We will increasingly live in a, in a culture that will be increasingly against the, 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 the truth of the Word of God. And if we're going to live that way, it'll become evident. All right? And so, so tonight, as we just um, round off the, the book, um, 
let's just look at just some aspects of, of pastoring. And I know that, obviously, um, th- there's some things that we can glean here as well as, as believers, but, but really, if we're going to just stay faithful to the text, that's really what 2 Timothy chapter 2 is about, aspects of pastoring or aspects of, of living for Christ. And so, um, look at chapter 2, and we'll just read through and, and just make comment as we go. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And again, he's trying to, he's trying to lift up and, and encourage the, the, um, this, this pastor, this, this young man named Timothy, to just continue on. He's saying, be strong. But be, don't be strong in, in just your, your, own, your own strength. He's saying, be strong in the grace. And, and let's not forget, as we go through times where we're going to have to endure for the faith, it's not by our strength, it's by the grace of God. And listen, so, some of you here who, who are you're, you're, um, in the balance and you're feeling like you're not strong enough to take a stand, perhaps you young people in the school, some of you young adults in your universities, in your, your circle of, of friends, those who observe your life, you're not going to stand by, by your strength. You're going to stand in the grace. And, and God's grace is a transforming grace. It's an, an enabling grace. And if we're going to stand right in our, in our time, just like some of you sung on, on Sunday, stand strong, you're going to stand strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and he says here in verse 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me, we read that. So he's commanding us to pass on what, what we believe, be faithful in, in, um, in, in winning disciples. But then he says here, and the first aspect of, of, of living right, uh, he shares some illustrations, some pictures. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him, and he repeats it, to be a soldier. So the first aspect of, of, um, of living in these last days, or in our context here of pastoring, he's calling, calling Timothy to a life of a soldier, saying, be a soldier. And he's saying, as a soldier, endure hardness. And, you know, um, I'm not sure if, if anyone here has ever gone through some sort of um, military training, some sort of boot camp. I think some of you um, who grew up in a different place, it was, it was required of you to, to serve, at least go through the, the, gener- the, the boot camp training, right? And none of that is easy, all right? It's, it's, it prepares you for battle. And so, you know, the, the commanding officer puts you through some tests that really, that really strain you and cause you to have to really pick yourself up and really ask yourself, is this what I'm meant to do? Because really, they're trying to separate the men from the boys, right? And here he's saying, you know, as a, as a soldier, that's how we're meant to live. We're, we're meant to live and endure hardness. But then understand that, that we... We don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. He's saying those things that, that, um, that are our warfare we, f- we fight against in this time. And he's saying here that he may please him. And, and remembering that as a soldier, we have a cause, right? That we're not just fighting for our own agenda, that we have a greater cause. Okay? And he's saying there that we may please him who hath chosen our, him to be a soldier. Um. Look at the next thing. So we see that we are to be a soldier, but then next thing in verse 5, and if a man also strive for masteries, 
Yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. He's speaking about an athlete. And an athlete can train all he wants, but he, if he goes beyond the, the rules of the game, then he won't be successful. And he's saying there that if we strive for masteries, we ought to strive lawfully. He's saying he's not crowned except he strive lawfully. And, and understand that, that God has given us his word to guide us, that this is his rule book for life. And that we are to, if we're going to be successful in this life, we're not to be just a soldier, but an athlete who's disciplined in the things of the word of God. And, and doesn't that go with the whole thought of, of um, later on of, of chap, uh, chapter 2, verse 15? But, but, but understanding, and you know, um, athletes, they, they don't just train to their body, they train their mind. They have to understand the, the rules of the game. They have to understand what that line is for, what that clock is, is doing, why that, the referee whistled. And all of those saying, uh, strive lawfully. All right, and so understanding God's rules and, and ways of life. The next uh, aspect is this. Look at verse 6. The husbandman that laboreth must be fa- a partaker of the fruit. So he's saying, thirdly, um, you've got to be a farmer. You've got to be a farmer. You've got to, you've got to do the things over and again, waiting for the crop to go, waiting for the harvest time. And, and, you know, we don't like that in our, in our instant world where we want instant gratification, where we want instant results, where we want shortcuts to things. But a farmer, he just goes through the seasons. He'll just, he'll just plow where he's always plowed. He'll just cast seed where he's always cast seed. And then he just trusts that, that, that God, in, in the way he's designed things, will, will naturally take its course and one day... Fruit will be there. And, and he's calling us to be a farmer. He's saying the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. And, and you know why the farmer does it? It's because he wants a crop, right? A farmer doesn't go out there in the mi- middle of the night to start to plow because he wants zero eventually. He wants his crop to be successful. He wants fruit. And, and, and church, listen, we, we live in a time where um, where sometimes it is difficult to, to do the work of the ministry, to labor in this time. If you've ever been a faithful witness at all, you understand that, that there's not a great deal of people at times that want to listen at all. And sometimes it's like, it's like you're just going through the, the, the same thing, the same doors, the same streets, the same people, but you just don't know. You don't know what, what God is doing and causing in those hearts, in those soils that you're planting the seed. And, but we, we desire fruit. We, we must be a partaker of the fruit. We must desire that. And so he's saying be a farmer. And I, I just love what um, I just realized it was just a, about a year ago where, where I was in the Philippines. I was with, um, with missionary Doug Sisson. And he was just asking me about Australia, what kind of field Australia is. And, and I said it's hard. It's difficult. The soil isn't fertile. It's, it's not like here, which I was saying, in the Philippines. It's difficult. And he said, so if the ground's hard, if it's gravel, do you think anything can grow there? And I remember thinking about it. He caught, a, sort of caught me off guard. And I said, no, oh, I don't know. No. And he said, yes. There's still soil there. He goes, you just have to work harder. 
And he just, you know, the, the Holy Spirit used his words to just slap me in the face. <laughs> and he said, no, you just got to work harder. And, and you know, we might, be, um, we might be farming in territory where there's a lot of rocky ground, but something can still grow. We just got to work harder. We just got to be in it like a farmer for the fruit. And then notice um, the next thing. Uh, skip down, look at verse 15. And we, we said this earlier, but study. So the next thing is this. Not only be a soldier, an, an athlete, a farmer, but fourthly, be a student. Be a student. A student studies. Okay, if you're a casual reader of the Word of God, you're not doing this. If you're, if you're just picking up the Bible uh, whenever it's church time, you're not doing this. You're not a student. And, and you, you're supposed to be a student. He says, study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. He says, a workman, a, that's someone who's laboring in the Word. The, the Bible tells us that, that study is a weariness to the flesh. And, and you know, the, the, the average Christian today He's just so lackadaisical and so apathetic to the Word of God. I wonder if that's you. And I know we're, we're talking to the Wednesday night crowd, but I wonder if that's you. I wonder if you're a student of the Word of God. He says later on, verses 19 to 21, look at there. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, but in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So the next thing is this. Um, fifthly, be a vessel. Be a vessel. And, and a vessel here has the choice. You know, you could have the most ornate vessel um, in, your, in your home, maybe you have a vase that someone gave you. Maybe you have a crystal vase. And it's maybe someone gifted that to you for your wedding. It, it puts a, you put it at a place of pride somewhere that it's displayed. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter how that vessel is. It matters what you put in it. You could put that vessel in, in that vase. You could put um, flowers and all of that. And, and then for a little while, if you're not careful... Those flowers will rot, and it'll just it'll mar the vessel. And 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 listen, that vessel has no choice what's being put in it. But we as vessels, uh, vessels, we have a choice. We have a choice how how uh, how we keep our lives clean, and if we're going to be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. Listen, some of you, some of us this week, we've not taken care of our vessel. And God's looking for someone, and He can't use you. You know why? Because you're still in the dirty washing. You've not cleaned yourself. You've not come to Him for cleansing this week. You've allowed the dirt of this world to get into you, and, and you're, you're a vessel. But be a vessel unto honor. But then lastly, look at verses 24 to 26. And the servant of the Lord. And then he goes on and he gives some, some characteristics there, but the last thing, and don't forget this, you're a servant. You're a servant. We are, we are to be a servant to God. So, so don't, you know, don't, uh, don't deny Him when He asks you to, 
serve. Um, we are to serve one another. That's, that's part of God's package. We are to serve one another in the church. And so, again, there's some aspects of our Christian life here. And, and again, I, I want to stay true to the context here, aspects of pastoring. He's speaking to a pastor here. But really, we glean from that. And, and we are to, to follow on with that and understand that this is us too. Okay, we are called to be a soldier. We're to endure hardness for, for Christ's sake. We're an athlete. We're to strive lawfully. We are a farmer. We are to be a partaker of the fruit. We're students study to show thyself approved. We are a vessel unto honor, meat for the master's use, and we are a servant, all right? He says a servant of the Lord. And he goes on and he talks about some characteristics of that. But I want to I encourage you tonight, you know, as you, you, you look at the day and age that we live in, um, we will. And if you're not, you will. You'll go through some, some persecution. You'll go through some hardness. You'll have to endure that. But he's saying in all of that, be these. Okay, be a soldier. Be an athlete. Be a farmer. Be, be a student, a vessel, a servant. Right? And, and, and let's, let's, uh, let's be the kind that, that God can, uh, can look to in our day. You know, God, uh, God deserves our faith, doesn't He? God deserves... Um, us being, being passionate and, and being, uh, being ready for His use. And, and there's, there's more need today for, for, uh, for every Christian uh, to, to be ready for the work that God has because there's much. You know, the, the Bible says the, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He sends forth laborers. I, I really believe this. I believe that in all of our churches, there's enough of a workforce to reach this world. But not many are ready. Not many are, are they're not living the way they should. And so, God's not able to. And we need to pay attention. We need to wake up to the reality that, that God is still calling even in the last days. All right, let's pray. Father God, we just want to come and thank you, Lord, just for the, the book of 2 Timothy. Thank you for the many lessons we can learn from it. But Lord, I, I just can't help but, but pray for laborers. Really, the heart and theme of the book is, is addressed to laborers, those who are, would be pastors and ministers. And I can't help but think that in a room even this size, with this amount of people, that you're still calling some here. And for whatever reason, they're not ready or they're not listening. So I pray, dear God, that you would just speak. Lord, just in a real way, speak to our church, speak to our men. Lord, that they would just ready themselves. And Lord, if there's an, an area there, an aspect there that they're struggling with, that they would just they would address that by your grace. That, Father, in this time, in these last days, we would stand. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.